Welcome to the Sunday Tennis Q&A with High Performance Coach Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally respected author and educator and is regarded as one of the leading junior development coaches in the world. Join Chris weekly for the most intelligent tennis talk show on the planet as Chris answers questions from his audience around the world. And now, here's Chris. Hey guys, it's Chris. I'm live. Sunday night Q&A with Chris. I just got home. It was a big day. It was an epic day. And I made it. I made it home. I had some late lessons, so I wasn't sure if I was going to make it on time. We normally go live at 9.30, and I went live tonight around 9.45. I hope you guys didn't miss the show. Hey, David Ramos, how are you? Thanks for waving. It was an epic day today on court. I was on court for over, over 12 hours, and I had a really good day. I see Anthony Edwards is watching. Thanks for waving. Carlos Carrera, thanks for waving. Guys, this is my Sunday night show where I answer tennis questions and we talk tennis, my thoughts for the week. Had a really good week of a lot of technical work this week. So if you have any technical questions, I've got technique on my mind, really have technique on my mind. Been having some really good discussions in... Uh, in Facebook groups with a lot of coaches around the world about different technical aspects of development. So I'd be happy to talk some technique tonight. It's in here. I'm ready. I'm ready for all the questions. And what else is on my mind? Tactics. Tactics is on my mind. If we have any tactical questions out there. I would love to do that. I see a lot of people signing in here. Poma Pawa is watching. Great name. Thanks for tuning in. Kaoru Kaido is watching. Thanks for waving. The San Martin Padel Club is watching. Thanks for waving, guys. Awesome. Carlos Carrera, thank you. Zoe, my friend Zoe's watching. Zoe, what's up? How are you? Let's see. Who else is on tonight? Sport HT is watching. Thank you for waving, guys. I appreciate it. Who else we got? Paolo Melgarejo. I think, Paolo, you're a, a regular on the program. I like it when we have guys come in all the time. Hey, my buddy Jim Kane is on the line. Hey, Jim, how are you? Jim, let me know how you're doing. My buddy from Boston. Big supporter of the show, Jim Kane. Thank you, man. You've been really leaving a lot of comments on the YouTube. And let me tell you guys, if you're, a, if you're a YouTube subscriber, we're giving away a ton of free stuff. Free lessons with me every month. Free digital courses. A lot of free stuff if you guys can help, help contribute to the, the YouTube community. We're trying to build up a community on YouTube. So let me know if you could help out with that on the YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. Go to my channel. Dan Pancras is watching. Dude, you emailed me. I want to coach that little girl of yours. Let me know if you have any questions. We're talking technique tonight. 
I have a few out of the box thoughts. Maybe if you've been with the show long long enough, you realize that a lot of my ideas are I'm trying to break molds, like be iconoclastic and challenge norms and try to speed up development, especially technical development. Dan, first time caller from Sydney. Awesome. From Australia. What what time is it in Australia? Is it same time or is it one day ahead? Cool. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've got some I have some Australian friends for sure. Let's see who else is on the program. Jeffrey Hornsby is on. Thank you, Jeffrey, for waving. Ariel Ferrari is watching. Thank you for waving. I think we have a bunch of regulars on the show. Guys, if you have any questions, this is my Sunday night broadcast. And we do this every Sunday night at 9.30. Tonight was 9.45. I may have to move it to 9.45. I have, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with lessons right now, so I had to work late. I was working late on the court. So... I just got back home and I try to do this show every Sunday night. I work a lot of hours on the weekend. I'm doing the weekend grind, like I do like 24 hours coaching, but I love it. And so Sunday night is awesome because I have a lot of tennis ideas in my head because I just got off the court and I have a lot of energy and I'm pumped for the Sunday night program. We're going to do this every Sunday night and we've been getting a lot of questions and discussions from all over. Thanks for the thumbs up. Let's see who else is on. Mark Frampton is watching. Cool. Thank you, Mark, for waving. Dan says it's 1.50 in Australia, in Sydney right now. So that would be... Okay, that's a lot of hours ahead. Dan has first question of the night. Thank you, Dan, for being brave, courageous with your question. Is it a technical question or are we going tactics? That's the question. Let's see. Should we be teaching open stance forehand for orange ball? My daughter is almost seven and being taught the side-on stance, and I am questioning it. Well, you're a very smart man, Dan. You are on the cutting edge. If you're thinking some open stance for your little seven-year-old daughter, I would agree. I am big believer in that. You can see lots of my videos online at the YouTube channel where I'm teaching open stance to young kids, but I wouldn't teach it exclusively. I would definitely teach both stances and my regular fan, Jeremy Malfay, he beat me to it. He commented that you should teach both stances and Jeremy, I agree with you, buddy. So hit me with the thumbs up on that. I'm going to hit you with the thumbs up right here. There it is. Big thumbs up for my main man, Jeremy, because I think you should teach both. Open stance and close stance to young kids. And I believe they do that in some countries like in France, for example. I heard the French director of education talk about that. And I'm a big believer in that. Teaching agility and coordination with both stances. It doesn't have to be excessive open stance. It can be like a semi-open stance. And it doesn't have to have like excessive hip torque. I would just be careful that you, you, you got to be careful with the hip. So semi-open stance, not too much. You can do some explosions, but nothing really 
extreme with the the hip firing. You know, I think you have to be careful with that and a balance, a balance of close and open. Don't force little kids to do 100% open stance. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's worth the risk with the hip. But it's definitely good for the coordination, and I would I would definitely teach both. I had a number of kids today where I was teaching both, some little superstars. So there you go. That's the first answer of the day. But maybe I, you get me off on a on a I don't want to say a rant because a rant sounds too angry. But I'm not angry about anything. But maybe you get me off on a a, a train of thought talking about red, orange, and green. But in my opinion. And we talked about this on email, Dan, but I think red, orange, green curriculum should be completely revamped. And it should include more modern next-gen technique. So I'm a big believer in next-gen. Next-gen Spanish coaching methodology and next-gen technique. And I think the curriculum for red and orange and green is... Oh, my son's saying goodnight. You want to come say hi? We're live. We're live all around the world. We got friends from Australia. Come, come say hello. Bring your stuffies. You want to bring your stuffies? No, that's my son. That's my son, Isaiah. He, he was going to show you guys his stuffed animal collection, but I think he decided to hit, uh, to go to bed. But that would have been a good part of the show, you know. Oh, no. Robert Garrett's making fun of me. Did I get my iPhone? You know what, Robert? We have the iPhone. I have the tripod. But I'm having trouble with the little dials on the tripod. You know? I don't get it. There's a bunch of little dials, and one, and, and some of them are release dials, and some of them are tightening in it. I, I don't really... I'm really good with technique, but I'm not so good with those dials. So I, I'm working on it. I could go get I could go get my son's racket if anyone has a grip question and I'll try to jimmy rig something here. But I mean if we have Robert Garrett on the show, I expect a stream of technical questions because he's the man when it comes to technique. Okay. I was talking about red, orange, green. I'll get into that in a minute. Let's see. Jason Byam is on the program. What's up, Jason? Thanks for waving. Jorge Lissandro Lopez is watching. Jorge, awesome. Where are you watching from? Guys, let me know where you're watching from. We already had some friends in from Australia. Donnie Levitt, friend of the family, is waving. Salifu Mohammed is waving. What's up, Salifu? How are you, buddy? Dude, thanks for waving. Thanks for watching the show. This is our Sunday night show. We talk about tennis every Sunday night. Salifu is one heck of a tennis player, I'll tell you that. And a pretty good coach to boot. Spencer Weinberg, my friend from California, is waving. Spencer, did you get that job, buddy? I did that stupid form. I wrote it for you. They made me fill out that form, and I did it only for you. Only for you, Spencer. I wouldn't have done that for anyone else. Ronaldo Corpus is watching. Sorry, Ronaldo, if I pronounced that wrong. Guys, do we have any tennis technique questions on the board? Uh, I've been wrapped up in technique all night and all day and all week. I've been all over Facebook groups. I've been online, offline. My mind is in technical land. We were talking about red, orange, green. What do you guys think of a red, orange curriculum? I think it's so low, lowest common denominator. 
that would be sort of my description for red, orange, green, technical, create lowest common denominator. Another phrase that comes to mind is 1975 or 1980s technique. Why? Why don't we why don't we teach the kids the way everyone does it? You know, that's just my take on it. What do you guys think? Naeem Azar is watching. Thank you, Naeem, for tuning into the program. Kind of a chill Sunday night. I was working like a beast this weekend on court. Just got off court. Got some great little superstars. Today, awesome lessons today. I'm really pumped. It was a great day on court. Fantastic. Talking about red, orange, green. Should I get into that? Should I get into what I've been writing about recently where... Have you guys been following how I've been trying to teach kids to jump with their technique? I really believe in jumping. Why is jumping such a dirty word? We're not allowed to say jump anymore to kids like off the serve. I had a big discussion on Facebook this week with coaches. You know, most coaches don't tell kids to jump. It's like a taboo word that you're not, we're not allowed to use anymore. So that, that's something I've been working on. You see all my videos, I have all the kids jumping. Jumping and also working on staying on the ground, but a lot of kids working on explosions, working on uh, hip rotations, working on spinning in midair with the ground strokes, working on jumping and landing on the serve, and I just don't know why we can't get over it and move on that recognizing that it's okay to tell a young kid to jump on certain shots, work on their dynamic balance. It's okay. Not the end of the world. It's going to be all right. You tell kids that. All right. Who else do we got? Guys, shoot me out your questions. It's my Sunday night show. The title of the show is Sunday night Q&A. So I need the questions and I will try to supply my best answers. I'm here in New York. Half my students this week were sick. I don't know what's going on. I got sick. I hope you can hear my voice because I got a sore throat. I was feeling better. Then I got sick again. Probably from my daughter. She's been sick all week. Everyone in New York is sick, man. The weather's been terrible. Maybe the weather. Weather's been cold. I don't know what it is. Oh, here we go. Got another question on the board. Robert Garrett. Talk about what we talked about regarding the ATP forehand. My player is making great progress, but your comments via text were great. So Robert's referencing a question he had for me about technique and building, uh, building the, the forehand and backhand with modern ATP style technique. So if you guys are familiar with that, a lot of that work comes from the the research of Dr. Brian Gordon. And doc, Dr. Brian Gordon hooked up with legendary coach Rick Macy, and they've just been, I think, on, on the sharp cutting edge of technique training down there in, in the Boca area for many years now. So I'm a big fan of their work. I've studied with Rick. I follow Rick's stuff very closely and I think he's the legend he's amazing and I, I read 
all of Dr. Brian Gordon's research. I highly recommend that if you guys are into technique and biomechanics, Dr. Brian Gordon's amazing. He's amazing, doing a lot of cool stuff with uh, analysis, uh, 4D analysis. Anyway, so we were talking about how you know Robert's trying to shave down some backswings. A lot of kids have really big backswings, so he got the backswing shaved down into more of an ATP style, but what I was telling him was that's just the beginning of the journey because many times you can get the swings looking pretty good in drills, but when the kids actually start playing, they lose it. And what I said was, I don't think you have to panic and make a, a young kid's backswings really small right away. You can wait until they're a little older and a little stronger. And a lot of times, just through maturation, growth and maturation, the backswings will magically, they'll shave down a little. They'll get a little smaller and they'll, 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 they'll end up in the slot, the dynamic slot. You know, you'll get that, that ATP style. Not always. Sometimes you have to monitor closely and make some suggestions to kids as they go through puberty. But many times as kids go through puberty, those, those big loopy backswings that you see in the 10s and 12s, they will, I don't want to say naturally, but I guess naturally or just through, the, through evolution, the, the player will find a shorter, more compact way to generate power. Not always though. So I say that with a caveat, but many times I've seen it. So I just don't think you have to panic anymore when you see a little kid with loops. And I used to panic. I used to be like, oh, the loops, the kid's looping, the backswing, it's, it's never going to work. They're going to be late on everything. And, and, and I, I don't panic like that anymore. I just sort of monitor it and go from there. All right. Uh, I can add to that later, Robert, if you have a follow-up. Spencer Weinberg, my former assistant coach, and all around super nice guy says technique versus learning how to compete and grind out matches seems like technique is more stressed but during matches kids fall apart do you think technique is overrated at times wouldn't you rather train kids who are athletes first than technique after they learn how to compete it's such an interesting question because My old coach, Gilad Bloom, always stressed to me, my, my mentor for many years, that technique was everything, you know? And I know a lot of coaches who think that. We talk about that a lot in this program. Technique is so important, but it's not everything. That's what I've learned over the years as I've become a better coach. You know, technique is not everything. It's really important. But there's, there's a lot more to just technique. And Spencer, you seem, you're asking me about athletes. Absolutely, I want to, I want to work with athletes, and and then build their technique. Give me twenty world class athletes, and I will build their technique. But unfortunately, I think in today's game, the national level, top America in America, in the U.S., we have twenty really refined, good players with good technique, really good technique, but they're not the top, top athletes. And that's sort of the problem. That's why I don't think we're, we're getting the superstars. And I've, I've written about this a lot. I want, the, I want the basketball players. I want the NBA players. I want the LeBrons, you know. 
Robert Garrett says you train technique and athleticism at the same time, and that seems to me like a very good answer. It's not an either-or, Spencer. I think it's, it's both. You need the athlete, and you want to teach them world-class technique. I definitely favor getting the hardware right at a young age. You know, Frank Giampaolo, I've been following Frank's work. Guys, if you want some good stuff on the mental and emotional side of the game and working on the software side of players, gosh, has you, have you guys been tracking what Frank Giampaolo has been doing? The guy is prolific. I mean, he is writing like a book a year right now, churning out some really high-quality stuff. And I don't, I don't think he's getting enough respect, maybe, or, or maybe he is. But I've been following his work for a while now. He's got the Tennis Parents Bible, which I think all parents should, should study. Not just read, but study. It's so healthy for parents. The advice is so good for parents. And now he has a new book, Neuropriming, which is a really cool book for working on the software side of players, working on their rehearsals, their mental rehearsals. It's really cool. What you do is you get the kids to create their own scripts and they put them on the memos on their, on their phones, like their iPhone, and then they listen to it before tournaments and and at home, before they go to bed, really cool stuff. Innovative stuff from Frank Giampaolo. A very high IQ coach, if I might add. We don't have enough high IQ coaches in tennis right now, I'll tell you that much. Okay, sorry, I got off on Frank Giampaolo. But there's a guy, guys, you got to check it out. He's got a lot of great books. The guy's writing a book in a year. is amazing, amazing. I have a lot of respect for that because I know how hard it is to write a book. Okay, Robert. You will never get the LeBrons to play tennis unless tennis becomes much cheaper. Robert, have you been missing all of my Facebook discussions on this? And I'm right, I'm posting a lot about this. I think I've covered this on some of the shows that I've been doing lately. But I have a whole plan for that. Somebody's got to come in with a scholarship program like the USDA, for example, and scoop up these NBA kids. Because you're right, none of them are going to play because the because of financial reasons. We, we have to get those athletes. If we get those athletes, it's a game changer, completely. And so somebody's got to pay for it. USDA or Federation or some big donor. And we got to pay for everything and get those kids into tennis. I, that's, that's my take on it. Give me 20 LeBrons and it's game over. We're winning all the Grand Slams again. Okay, Jim Kane says... Guys, I got a sore throat. I got to get a sip of water. Hold on. Jim Kane. I hope I don't lose my voice today. A lot of teaching today. Kathleen Buzatu is watching. I believe Kathleen is my friend or from Spain. I think that's my friend from Spain. What's up, buddy? I'll be coming back to Spain this summer. I can't wait. I'll stop by and say hello, Brugueros. That's you. I think I got that name right. Okay, Jim, Jim Kane says, we got a question on the board. Having fun with my friends tonight. Answering some tennis questions, talking tennis. Let's get a good discussion going, guys. I'm ready. It's been a long day, but I'm, I'm still pumped. What do we got? Jim Kane says, two questions. Forehand stroke. A lot of technical questions. I guess that's my fault because I prompted technique. As the racket head is ramping up, is the next step turning the doorknob? That sounds like a Macy phrase, turning the doorknob. It is a Macy phrase. And finishing by the waist. 
Yes, you're on to something there. Second question, can you project when the CLTA online courses will be ready? Or course. Well, we have lots of courses coming out. Thank you for asking. Let me talk about the technique first. Well, I'll tell you about the courses. I'm actually filming a bunch of courses this week. So we're working on that. We're trying to build this online community of learners, of high IQ tennis people, people that want evidence-based teaching methods and intelligent advice. So we're building this online community, CLTA Online, it's my academy online, and the courses are coming out soon. I think by January, February, Jim, we'll have some courses up there, and my goal is to produce a rich tapestry of courses available for anybody, for parents, for players, for coaches, you know, and it's just going to be the same high-quality stuff you get with me offline, on court, and we're going to do it all digital. It's going to be so cool. I'm really excited about it. It's my new project, and we've got a lot of people working on it. I have a new business manager. We're ramping this thing up, and we're going to be growing digital, right? Okay. The question was about as the racket head is ramping up. After the racket makes contact with the ball, before you do any of that turn in the doorknob stuff with the windshield wiper, please extend and lift. Make sure you're getting a good extension, a good lift, and then and then you can make that wiper movement. I don't I never use that phrase turning the doorknob. Rick, Rick loves that phrase. It, to me it always sounded weird like I don't turn a door I don't hit a foreign like I'm turning a doorknob, but you know, Rick's the legend. He can call any way he wants. He can tap the dog or turn the doorknob or whatever he wants because he's amazing. That's my opinion. But please extend first and then turn the doorknob. Then turn it over. And finishing by the waist, you see me doing that in all my videos. I have the players finishing lower because I believe that inverting the finish, inverting the follow-through helps develop elasticity in the arm. And what I'm trying to build is an elastic, loose arm in all of my players. And I try to explain that. I explain that to Jeremy on some Facebook discussions. And for me, elasticity is the name of the game. I wish we stressed elasticity in red, orange, green, which we don't. All the kids coming out of red, orange, green are stiff. They're stiff and they don't have a lot of whip, which I think is a big issue for me. Okay. We've got a lot of questions, guys. I'm going to try to get to them. Feel free to send me some follow-ups at... Uh, if if you have a comment or a follow-up, let me know. Jason Byam says, love the show, watching from upstate New York. Yeah, let's do it. Jason, tell your friends because we're trying to build up this show, we're building up a community of learners, of intelligent, high IQ tennis coaches and parents and players. Uh, Jason had a question, and I will do my best to answer. Jason says, have a question about the best grip for the two-handed back end. I have a ton of kids that are getting their non-dominant hand, okay, in pretty extreme grips in between semi-western and western. Okay. So you're talking about the right hand. I'm trying to understand. You mean like an eastern 
kind of like an eastern backhand grip. Could you just follow up with the detail, Jason, on that? Because when you say semi-western or western, I'm having trouble visualizing that because that, that's like a forehand grip. I assume you mean they, they're putting their, their non-dominant hand farther towards like a semi-western or eastern one-handed backhand? If not, let me know. But I would change that. Most top two-handed backhands, the non-dominant hand is in continental. Do you mean semi-western forehand? Western forehand? Well, that's really bad. You got to change that right away. You must be talking about young kids, maybe. They're holding like their forehand grip when they're hitting a two-hander. You got to change that right away. That should be a, a continental. It should be the serve grip. It should be the slice backhand grip. Because when they take the other hand off and they, they go for the slice. Ooh, or do you mean the left hand? Ooh. Jason, can you follow up and let me know which arm you think? But basically, the right hand, I guess that's the dominant hand, should be in continental. And the left hand can be semi-western or, oh, not western though. You can do semi-western with the left hand. Okay, sorry, I understand your question now. You can do semi-western with the left hand on a two-hander. And that's good because it gives you more topspin. I wouldn't do western though, but that's a cool idea. Maybe that's a new innovation. But I wouldn't do it. I never taught that. And I always change that. It's a little bit too far under the handle. So go with semi-western with the non-dominant hand, the left hand. And for the right hand, continental for the slice. That's how I would do it. Jeremy says, okay, we got a lot of, uh, the questions are coming. They're coming fast. But I'm ready because I'm still fast even though I'm getting old. Jeremy says, Jeremy, thanks for contributing so much to the shows and everything. You're a very good, loyal fan. Let's see. I have seen so much about the ATP forehand from Macy and Brian Gordon, who I referenced earlier, and others. However, they don't say anything about how to build the ATP forehand into a player. It's just do this and do that, but how? Any progressions you use to teach the ATP forehand? Of course I have that, dude. Have you been checking my YouTube channel? I got all sorts of progressions for that. The, the big course that we're doing, we're doing a new course. It's called Rip It Like Rafa. And I basically go through the whole thing, the whole deal right there. I, mean, I hate to be just selling my course, but it's, it's not that much money. It's like, I don't know what it's going to be like, maybe a hundred bucks or something. And I'm going to go through it with a bunch of my junior players in a format that's very structured and simple. I believe in teaching simply, not too complicated. That's my style. That's the name of the game for me. That's my calling card. Simple, but effective. Not overly complicating things. You know, you see all these online coaches and they're selling so much garbage. They're selling a lot of garbage and they make everything so complicated. And by the time some God bless these poor recreational adults who are buying all these online courses. By the time they get through the 13th video of one of these courses, I mean, most people don't even finish these courses. And there's no way they're going to teach all that stuff to themselves. I mean, potentially, the online coaching industry right now, potentially one of the big scams of recent history. There's a lot of bad, bad courses out there, misleading salesmanship, misleading marketing, 
taking advantage of a lot of club players, recreational players who don't know a lot about tennis, but they got some money and they're going to buy this course or that course. There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of misleading information. I'm really down on the whole online coaching industry as a whole. The more emails I get from these guys, the more I'm suspicious of, of the intentions or, or, or the, the deception is not right, in my opinion. I'll give you one example of that, and I'll just go off on a, a quick tangent here, guys. Teaching the kick serve. I believe I'm an expert on teaching the kick serve. I've taught hundreds of great kick serves to little kids and everybody. Some adults, too, actually. There's no way you can market a kick serve program to the general population. There's no way. And it's, it's wrong. It's actually negligent, in my opinion. You're going to cause a lot of injuries, number one. Number two, nobody's going to learn that. Nobody's going to learn a good kick serve on their own, especially a club player with a couple hours a week to practice who's holding down a full-time job. Give me a break. Give me a break. Never going to happen. Totally misleading and potentially injurious injurious to those folks who are trying it. So something's got to change with the online industry. One of the reasons why I'm getting into the online industry and I want to become an influencer and I want to be that one of those internet guru guys is because I know I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it ethically. I'm going to teach folks good technique that's appropriate for them and I will do it in a simple way that's not overcomplicated. I'm not going to sell you a 120-video course that you're never going to finish and you're going to forget half the stuff you learn. And by the way, you don't have nearly enough time to go out and work on it on your own. So this is a big thing for me, by the way. i am really been watching the online. I wasn't meaning to talk about it tonight, but it's, I'm glad someone – did someone bring that up or did I just go there? I don't know. All right. So – Jeremy, with the progressions, I'm, I will be putting up more free stuff on YouTube. It just won't be as structured because the YouTube channel by its nature is a little less organized. I'm trying to organize it as best I can for you guys. But that will be the question that you asked. Well, I will go through that in a really nice, clean, well-organized course with some of my players. And we're actually doing some filming on that this week. I'm very excited. We're doing it at my club in Vermont. We're filming some of that stuff. So what are the progressions? What you said is not true, though. Rick, Rick, Rick does have some progressions that he puts out. He's written some progressions, whether you look on tennisplayer.net, which is John Yandel's magazine. John Yandel is an old friend of mine. He's amazing. You talk about someone who's got a high IQ in the industry. There's a smart guy. That's a guy you can listen to most of the time. Sometimes we disagree on stuff. He's great, though. And Rick Macy has a lot of progressions that he uses for building the foreign. Unfortunately, they're selling a very expensive course. Like Rick has a, he has a DVD, I think, available, Jeremy, that I, I think is over $1,000 for the DVD. Maybe someone can can let me know the, the cost if anyone's familiar with it. But I, I, it might be $1,500 or something. Maybe it's worth it. But he goes through all of the stuff that, that you're asking there. You know, debatable whether it's worth it to learn those mechanics from him. You can learn it from me for 100 bucks. I'll teach it to you a lot simpler. Because I think, I think Rick and Brian 
they can overcomplicate things sometimes. I'm really, I'm a big believer in teaching technique in as simple a way as possible so that kids can learn it as fast as possible. So I think when you get too complicated, sometimes you lose kids and it, and it takes too much time. I'm all about teaching things faster. Michael says, Jim Kane, in the meantime, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yeah, Michael, Jim is, he's amazing. He's our best commentator on YouTube right now. He already won a free course. He's probably going to win another free course because he's killing it on the YouTube comments. Guys, all you got to do is comment once a week on any of my videos and you're entered to win a free course. How about that? And if you're a parent with a student, you're entered to win a free lesson with me. 300 bucks right there. Come on. And nobody's taking advantage of that. I can't believe it. I'm offering a free lesson. And we didn't get a winner last month because we didn't have enough comments on YouTube. Unbelievable. Anyway, we got some more questions on the board. Durham Dabul Manan. I'm sorry. That's a tough first name to pronounce, but I'm so happy you're waving. Thank you so much, Mr. Manan. Jim Kane says, I'm already subscribed. Jim, you're the best subscriber there is. You're, a, you're amazing. Amazing fan of the program. Amazing supporter. Thank you so much. All right. Silver Montenegro is watching. What an awesome name, Silver. Danny Hayato is watching. Danny, you're a regular. Thank you for supporting the program. Really appreciate it. I love seeing all the regulars coming out. We're doing this. We try to get the same time so you guys can, you know, kind of get in a routine catching the show Sunday nights. Sunday nights are working out great. Okay. Jeremy says, sorry guys, sore throat. Jeremy's going to check out something. Check out Macy's stuff. They, Macy's put out some progressions. I think he overcomplicates it a little. Uh, Dr. Brian Gordon, he's got a PhD, and, and, and he can get pretty deep into the scientific stuff, which I don't think is really necessary when you're communicating with young kids, which I, this is what I do mostly, coaching young prodigies and stuff. But... Yeah, they have some progressions. And that one of the things I, I don't like what Rick is doing is he's teaching everyone that ATP style. And I, I just don't believe that that's appropriate. And I believe, like I was telling Robert Garrett earlier, I think there is a lot of kids who, if you just leave the loops alone, just leave the loops alone for a year or two, let them get stronger. And they will. a lot of times they will end up with that ATP form on their own without you having to waste a lot of time teaching them technique before they're ready. Advanced technique like that before they're ready. I'm talking about the very compact backswings, the ATP style. And Rick says that's not true. He says that usually if you don't teach it when they're little, they won't get it when they're later. But I haven't found that to be the case based on my experience in the trenches. A lot of kids will develop that ATP look on their own as they hit their hit puberty and they start getting stronger and 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 bigger. And the the ones that don't, you can always shave it down then. So it's not you don't really have to hit the panic button at 8 or 9 or 10 or 11. That's that's all I'm saying. I definitely try to get the ATP look when I can, but if I feel a lot of pushback, I feel if it's not going very well, that's what I was telling Robert Garrett. 
if I feel that the ATP, the compact swing, is not holding up in points, that's the telltale sign. Everyone's going to get it in drills. That's why sometimes when Rick does those drills and you see the videos of him doing like a, a feed to a player and he's got the technique looking pretty good, it's hard for me to believe that though, all those kids go home and they don't, they don't have some reversion. I think a lot of those kids go home and revert. Even though he's got it looking really good, when they, when they come down and they work with him and he's doing drills, it looks really good. I got to believe that a, lot, a large percentage of those kids are reverting when they start playing points because I've seen it so many times. You know, you get it looking perfect in drills, but it just, it just doesn't hold up. So, okay, I, I should probably answer a, a few more questions here. I'm sorry for the delay, guys, on the questions. I'm getting to them. Deyada Dak is waving. Thank you so much for watching. Serve It Up Tennis is waving. Serve it up. You got a serve question? I love talking serve. Let me know. It's one of my specialties. Ishino. Keiichi is watching. Thank you, Ishino. Thank you for watching. Are you international or are you here local? Guys, let me know where you're coming from. We already had some Australian friends on the program. And we usually have uh, some people from Asia on the show. We have, uh, have some Filipino fans. Great. Andrew Noblet is watching. Is that Andrew Noblet? whom I know very well. Is that the Andrew that worked for me? Let me know, Andrew. Thanks for tuning in. Let me know if you have any tennis questions. If that is Andrew, one heck of a future coach right there. Quite a talented young coach. Worked for me last summer. Let me know if that's you, Andrew. You the man. Magnus Oliveira is watching. Thank you for waving, Magnus. Let me know where you guys are tuning in from. It's my Sunday night program every Sunday at 9.30. might have to be 9.45. If I keep doing late night lessons, it might have to be 9.45. I hope that's not too late for everyone. But we talk tennis. I give my thoughts on the week, stuff that's in my mind, stuff that I'm writing about. And I just answer questions from players and coaches and parents all around the, the world. I have a, a special place in my heart for children. And families, so I, I like to give priority to families and uh, parents who have kids who maybe don't have access to great coaching. I spend, I, I really love those kinds of questions from international families, especially. And you know, the other thing is, I love helping coaches coach better. So we do have a lot of coaches following the program, and that's one of the things that I love. I do a lot of coaching education now, speaking at conferences, workshops, things like that. And I have a passion for helping coaches. And I was explaining today, I was talking to a parent and I said, the reason why I love teaching coaches and mentoring coaches, I really love mentoring coaches. And I, I, was, trying, I was struggling for myself just to think about why, but I know why. And it's because all of those coaches who I help coach better, they're helping a lot of children. And that is my passion in life, helping kids become better human beings, better tennis players, you know, using tennis as a vehicle to build character. And that's, for me, my big passion, my mission is to help kids around the world. So the more coaches who I can help work better and smarter, 
I'm helping dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of kids that I could never work with directly myself. So it's an indirect way for me to reach a lot of children. That's why I love helping coaches. So let's see what we got here. Jeremy says, not your stuff. Is that not your stuff, LOL? Are you saying my stuff's complicated or simple? Because I am really trying to make, I try really hard to make my coaching and my teaching simple. And I'll tell you where that comes from. It comes from Luis Bruguera, the legend from Spain, my mentor, going on a dozen years now, 12 years, dozens of trips going over there, studying with Luis, living in, in Spain in the summer. And Luis has just had, he's, he's had such a profound impact on my coaching. He's really challenged me to be a better coach and he's challenged me to teach more simply. One of his main thrusts as a coach, his main beliefs is that coaches talk too much. I know this is a talk show, but that's different. We're talking together. But I mean on the court. Coaches talk too much and that coaches overcomplicate everything. And he's had a profound impact on my coaching because I think if you think I talk too much now on the court, let me tell you, it's a lot better than when it used to be. Uh, it used to be a lot worse. And Luis has helped me so much in so many aspects. His mind is amazing. He's a genius. Uh, he's very stubborn and, and sometimes can be a difficult personality to work with. Some folks don't like him because he's so opinionated. But we had a mind meld. I connected with him in Spain many, many years ago. And I've been going there ever since. And he's helped me so much with tactics and teaching the Spanish style and so many in so many areas he's made me a better coach so I, I thank Luis Bruguera so much for that I start thanking all the all the mentors that I've had over the years as the show goes on Sunday night all right what do we got serve it up tennis says hello thank you man appreciate it Jeremy says your stuff is a bit cheaper and I'll take your simple word for it well I think you should I have the track record. I'm doing it more simply, and I think it's a better way to do it. In terms of online courses, I'd love to talk about online courses. Guys, this is how it works. These guys, these guys are selling so many courses, and they're racking their brains on how to come up with more content. If I ever start using the word content, that's when you know we're all in big trouble. Because content means we're trying to rack our brains to come up with more stuff that we can sell to unsuspecting 3.0 to 4.5 players or whatever, club players, you know. And it's just wrong. It's wrong. What they should be doing is trying to make tennis simpler and easier for those folks to learn. And... The online courses are a perfect way to do that, but not if you're trying to stuff them full of all sorts of garbage and extra bonus videos and interviews and blah, blah, blah. Just read Waste of Time. Monumental waste of time, people. And the, course, the courses are filled with filler. They're stuffed with filler like that because the more content you can stuff into an online course, the more you can advertise it as comprehensive or complete or significant in some way. But it's all, it's a bunch of BS. 
It's a bunch of BS. It's a bunch of shuck and jive. And I wish more people would wake up. Somebody's, somebody's got to talk to these club recreational folks and get them to wake up. What are they doing? How many courses can you buy and not finish and not see the improvement before you wake up? I guess not because there's a sucker born every day. As P.T. Barnum said, sucker born every day. It's unbelievable to me. But my courses online, what are they going to be like? They're going to be simple. Not going to be too simple, but they're going to be simple, simpler. And I'm not going to stuff those courses full of a bunch of garbage so I can add a higher price tag to that thing. Don't fall for that trick, people. It's a marketing trick. It's, it's wrong. It's not right. All right. Jeremy says, my stuff is simpler and cheaper. Yeah, it, that's what it's going to be. Robert Garrett says, I don't think it hurts to try the ATP style, style and see if they can do it. That's my philosophy. You said it in a nutshell. Tennis parents are the smartest coaches. I'll tell you that. Guys, why don't tennis parents get more respect? I know so many coaches in the industry that if you ask them, what they really think about tennis parents is they think they're the bane of their existence. And it's so wrong. Tennis parents are the smartest coaches. Look, look at examples of that. The tennis parents know best. Think about all the top players over the course of history, the really famous ones. Most of those parents, most of those players had parents driving the show. Really smart parents. Williams sisters come to mind, but also, take a guy like Gerald Donaldson. I've been talking about Gerald Donaldson lady. Dad drove the show. Smart, smart guy. Lots of examples of that. I mean, you can think, you can, dozens and dozens of examples of that. It's so, it's so funny to me that coaches will, coaches have no respect for parents' opinions and thoughts and, and you know, parent wants to get involved. They don't want any of that crap. It's unbelievable to me that, that coaches will just disregard the intelligence and the, the thoughts of a parent. And parents have their child's best interest. They're, they're so motivated. They're so passionate for their own flesh and blood. And coaches can team up with parents to get better results. But instead, coaches just talk about how the parents are always the problem and they have to get out of there and you know, leave the court and blah, blah, blah. I don't have that philosophy at all. Rick Macy's very good with parents. He gets it. That's one of the things Rick does that I think is so brilliant. He's always working with parents. A lot of people don't realize that. But he's, he works with, he, he really respects parents and their, their expertise and their knowledge. Anyway, sorry, I got off on tangent there. Robert Garrett was saying how it's, it's a good idea to try the HP style first with your little player. And I think that's a great way to do it, Robert. Try the ATP style. If it's not working, just don't hit the panic button. You can just back off, monitor that thing, and maybe come back to it a little later in the, the growth and maturation cycle. That's how I see that. That's the best way to do it, I think. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you get lucky, and a little superstar can do it, and then it's off to the races. You got it all dialed in really early on. But just don't let that... Don't let that obsession with the compact swing overwhelm 
every part of the development for a kid between 8 and 12 because sometimes it can take on a life of its own and it, be, it can become kind of an unhealthy part of the dynamic because you just start a I've seen it many times where it, it just becomes everyone's eyes are on the backswing and we're always talking about the backswing and trying to fix the backswing and oh the backswing got a little big and and it's driving everyone bananas and the kids going crazy the mom and dad are going crazy coach going nuts and then it's just not a healthy thing it doesn't have to be like that all right Jeremy Malfay says Must have a pretty good forehand. He says, he got an ATP-style forehand without anyone coaching me or anything since 12 years old. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A lot of times, it'll just drop into place because kids want to find the most efficient way to develop power. And the game's getting faster. As they get older, the game's getting faster. So a lot of kids will, a lot of kids will kind of learn to adapt their backswing based on the speed of the game. The game's getting faster in the 14s and the 16s. The combination of the game getting faster and the players getting bigger and stronger bodes very well for naturally gravitating towards a more compact swing shape or pattern. However, it is true that some kids, they hold on to their big loops like a like their favorite teddy bear or their favorite blanket, and those kids are going to need more of a nudging to get the technique better. And what I also reminded Robert in one of our conversations was, you know, there's a lot of players on tour making a very good living with type 2 swings, sort of moderate back swings, maybe not the picture-perfect ATP style. Is ATP type 1 or type 3? I forget. I think it's type 1. Somebody correct me or remind me. The ATP, does, does Brian Gordon call the ATP style the type 1 or does he call it the type 3? Uh, either 1 or type 3. Type 3, I think, is the big bubble loop. And type 1 is the, the, the Roger Federer style. Type 2 is kind of in between. Brian Gordon breaks it down to three types. I just call it ATP for simplicity's sake. But, yeah, the... With some, you know, there's a lot of players on tour making a lot of money with with swings that are a little big. So I think people have to remember that sometimes too, especially the women. You don't see it as much on the men. Although, think about a few men. Maybe you can think of a few guys that had big loops on the forehand that are making some cash. Soderling comes to mind. Robin Soderling. There was a guy, Wayne Ferreira. I don't know if you guys go back that far. That's not the modern game, but Wayne Ferreira. Man, that guy was awesome. Top 10 player. Huge forehand loop. And his forehand was an unbelievable weapon. And he had a big loop, man. Soderling comes to mind. They're just, you know, I'm not using those guys to justify big loops. But just goes to show you that, yeah, ATP is good, but... If a kid is determined to have a big loop and he just can't seem to get it right, compact, you can still develop a very good professional player if you're smart. Anyway, let's move on. Jesse Cooper is watching. Thank you for waving. Hector Lozano is watching. Thank you for waving. Having a very good show tonight. I'm sorry I'm losing my voice. If my voice is a little crackly, I got 
sore throat. Had a big day today. Really successful day on court. I got a nice young little superstar new one that I'm excited about. It was a great day on court today. Kailash Dubey is waving. Sorry if I messed up the pronunciations, guys. Wait, Dan, you're still here. Awesome. Dan, you came back with a question here. Let's see what you got for me. Dan, talk to me about your daughter, man. I want to hear how I can help. You got to get her out of that traditional red-orange technique, man. It's so basic, rudimentary. It's so 1980s. The 80s are over, guys. It's over. Why do we still teach the 80s? Somebody tell me. Dan says, do you think young players are being coached out of their unique style? For example, everyone has the same baseline game, lacking all court skills. You mean the pro players now are looking sort of all the same? Well, I think it's actually that the top players now, they all can do everything. Even if they're not volleying as much, they can all volley. They all have a sliced backhand. They all have a complete arsenal of skills. So I think it's our job to teach the kids. I believe in a complete game. It takes a little longer to develop a complete game. So with I'll put it this way. With most kids, I believe in a complete game. Some kids who are a little less talented, I actually think they're better off without learning some skills or perfecting some skills because that's sort of a Spanish philosophy where if you have a kid who's not as gifted, you can help them by not overcomplicating their games like teaching them too much variety. But in general, if a kid is talented, I really believe in a complete game, you know, like what Federer does or Djokovic or all these guys are very complete, even though the style is a bit one-dimensional. You see a lot of baseline now. I think the serve and volley may come back with some big athletic guys or if uh, the, the, maybe the courts get up faster again. Or <clears throat> I don't know if that helps, Dan. Could you be more specific in, in your question and I'll do my best to answer. I think kids will play based on their personality. I was listening to a Facebook discussion. I was, I was kind of following a Facebook discussion where the coaches were saying, like take Monfils, for example. They were saying because he's a big, powerful guy, he shouldn't be grinding so much. In other words, when you have a big, strong kid in front of you, they should be taught an aggressive game. And that's a pretty common thing to hear. But to me, it's, it's, so, it's such a specious argument. It's, it is a flawed argument because players are going to play more based on their brain type and their personality, the way they're wired mentally and emotionally, more so than their physical, their physical, you know, size and strength and their physical characteristics. So for me, it's much more important to discuss a player's brain and the way they're wired and what is their what is their brain type and what what is their personality like? Are they aggressive? Are they conservative? I think those those are the keys to how a kid's going to play. And when you have a little kid, it's not always obvious how they're going to play. So you have to take into account their physical characteristics, but you also 
maybe more importantly have to take into account their mental and emotional characteristics. And when you have a little kid in front of you, you want to teach them as many uh, complete skills as you can. So, so as they get older and their personality comes to the forefront, that they have the skills that they need to play the way that they want. And some kids are going to play more aggressive based on their personality, and some kids are going to play more defensively. And I think it's our job not to force one type of style on a kid, certainly not based on their size. I mean, just because someone's tall doesn't mean they have to be super aggressive. They may not be wired that way. But, I mean, I understand that argument because obviously tall players, you know, they're going to have a big serve, hopefully, and uh, more power. But it's not. it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you get a a moderately sized player who wants to attack more or be really creative with a lot of variety. That's their personality, you know. And, and sometimes you get a bigger guy like a Monfils. And I'm not sure he's coached the wrong way. I, I think probably there's something in his personality that likes to grind and likes to defend. I mean, maybe he, you could make a case he defends too much, but it, it's just remarkable to me. I can, I can follow a whole Facebook group and nobody ever mentions, well, shouldn't we be coaching kids tactically and strategically based on their, their personality, not just their size or their strength? I mean, that was remarkable to me. I didn't see anyone bring that up. Okay, moving on. I had a lot of questions here. Robert Garrett says, when will your forehand and backhand courses be out? They're coming out. We're filming now, and they should be coming out. I hope they're coming out January. February, we're trying to get four or five courses out in early 2019. So I hope you guys are excited about that. Once we have a rich tapestry of courses to select from at my school, you know, it's like an online university. I, I think it's going to be really fun because there'll be a broad selection of topics that people can study and it will all be high quality. It's not going to be BS garbage like the stuff you're seeing right now, it's not going to be that kind of garbage. And I'm not going to market it slickly like it's a late-night infomercial with the countdown timers like you have to buy in the next 24 hours or it's going to be gone forever. There's going to be none of that bullshit. It's just going to be straight-up, legit, high-level coaching, evidence-based knowledge, methodology, the way I do it. And... I think people are going to love it. We're going to build up a, a great community of high IQ learners there, people in the tennis world who, who want to get good quality information and not get sold a bill of goods and who actually want to improve. And, and you know, we're going to give people access to me, maybe some coaches that work with me, ways to work with me offline because it's it, – how many of these people are actually learning, really learning, solely online? Most people cannot do that. Most recreational players who have a job, there's no way they can teach themselves based just on a course. There's no way. They're going to need follow-up from somebody on court, a specialist. So that's part of the school too. When we have those online courses, there's going to be a lot of ways we're going to try to be available to work with people, whether it's remotely through the use of technology or people can come and take lessons with me because I still coach. I'm a coach. 
A lot of these online coaches, they don't even coach anymore. They're just like these, these internet memes, you know? They're not even real, some of them. They don't even coach. Like, I'm a real coach. So people can come and work with me. They can work with me online. They can learn with me online. And they can work with me offline. They can come to my club. I own a club. They can come there. They can come to me in New York. Take lessons with me. They can take lessons with my assistants, whatever. But most people need that, man. How many of these people are actually improving? They say they're improving. Have you ever worked with some club players and they talk to you and they tell you that their forehand's getting better or their backhand's much better or the serve is so much better than it was last month? And then you look at it and it hasn't gotten better. They just changed something and, and it's like a placebo effect. They think they did it better, but it's not better. Because you can't escape video analysis. And video analysis proves everything. Like you can prove that a lot of the strokes haven't changed that much, but in their mind, they took a course and they think it changed. And I think we're seeing a lot of that. A lot of people getting sold a lot of stuff and it's placebo effect. They think it's making them better. They, they don't have the evidence. With video evidence, you can prove if this technique's actually changing or not. You can't argue with the video, you know? I just think online coaches need to offer real coaching to help the people that are learning their online stuff. You have to have follow-up with someone good on court who can help you. It's very difficult to coach yourself. I'm a, I'm a world-class coach. I'm, I, work on, I try to coach myself sometimes. Sometimes I can't even coach myself. I, sometimes I can't fix my own technique, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm an expert te technician myself. And I'm a very high-level player. I'm still playing at I'm about a 13 UTR. I'm, I'm a very good player. I, sometimes I can't coach myself. Even with, with uh, I, I use video to look at my own game. I try to fix things. And even I, have str I struggle with it. How can a rec player who has a job do that? It, I don't believe it. I don't believe it's real. It's not legit. All right. Raj Lama is watching. I'll get to these questions. Guys, I'm sorry for the delay. Maybe I'm talking too much tonight. I don't know, let me know. I'm doing something wrong here. I'm trying to catch up with the comments here. Jeremy Malfay says, it's the Spanish forehand, the DVD in which you show how to teach the ATP forehand. Bingo! Because I think the Spanish forehand course is called Modern Spanish Forehand. That's what it's all about. Modern Spanish Forehand, it will be the ATP style and the way that I teach it, absolutely. With parameters, relatively simple parameters and simple progressions, that's what's coming out. We're trying to get it out in January or February. Frank Solana is watching. Thanks for waving, Frank. Nathaniel Duran. Thanks for waving. Appreciate it. We've got some new supporters of the show, new people on the broadcast. Dan Pancras. Is it Pancras or Pancras? Sorry, buddy, if I mispronounce that. Apologies. Dan says, When I meant individual style, I was more talking about everyone being coached the same. If a kid has a unique mindset, should we embrace that? Well, Dan, can you, can you fix that orange-red 
red-orange curriculum, man, it's so broken. It's so old and outdated. We should be teaching to the individual. You should always be teaching player-centered. I'm a big believer in that phrase. You know, you hear it a lot nowadays, but you should not be teaching cookie-cutter. You teach to the kid in front of you. So, yeah, I think that's what you're getting at. And, God, in this red-orange... You know, I see these great videos with these enthusiastic young kids, some really nice videos with really good coaches who are enthusiastic, they're giving high fives, they are engaging the children, but they're teaching technique from 1970, 1980. And it doesn't have to be that way. I know for a fact that most of those kids can learn elastic, modern strokes at a very young age five years old, six years old, seven years old. It doesn't have to be so old school. And then if we could just fix that, then I wouldn't have to reteach all those kids at nine, at 10, at 11, at 12, because I'm getting all those kids coming out of red, orange, green. And the parents are all coming to me trying to get their kids to look like professional players with professional technique. Why are we doing it that way? We can just teach them the new modern game, the next generation technique at a young age. It's a lot simpler that way. They can do it. Obviously, modified a little bit to respect their age and their growth and development. I'm not saying little kids should look exactly like a fully grown adult professional player. But you can get it pretty close. And that's my point. You can get a lot of it pretty close. And then you save yourself development time. And that's what I'm all about, saving development time. Okay, my friend Craig Webster is on. Craig, thanks for waving, buddy. Excellent coach. Very prolific online. A lot of intelligent commentary. This is the place to be if you're a high IQ coach tonight, right now on this program. Matthew Tanelanon is watching. Possibly a first-time viewer. Possibly a regular. Thank you, man. Anthony Cunningham is watching. Thanks for waving. Lorita Loshbor. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Thanks for waving. How are we doing on time, guys? Well, I've got a few more questions and answers in me. i got a big day tomorrow. I'm working on the ambulance tomorrow. I'm a volunteer first responder. So I work in, for the city of Hoboken part-time as an ambulance driver. It's pretty cool. It's a great service, great privilege to be a first responder for the city of Hoboken. So I work there. I'm, I'm an EMT. I, I, almost ha I have to take my final test for emergency medical technician. I'm doing that this Friday. I'm a little nervous, actually, guys. I have my final exam on Friday, so I'm going to be studying hard. I don't know how much I'll be able to participate in all the great Facebook groups, this group discussions, because I'll be studying. I'm going to hole up and study EMT stuff for my big Friday exam. So let me know if you have a, a few questions, guys. I think it's getting, it's getting late. I see uh, we may be losing some momentum on the broadcast. I know when we get up when we get up to like 15, 20 people on the show, I know it's everyone's buzzing and then 
we start to get a little, I think some people got to go to bed and get ready for work and stuff, but that's okay. Some of you hang in there the whole time. I appreciate it. You're being very loyal and following my commentary. Let's see. I was talking a lot about technique. I talked about the online coaching industry. I, I guess I got a little upset. I'm sorry I got upset about that, but... I don't want to call it a scam, but I, I, I sort of feel that way. My New York City scam alarm has been buzzing lately. My New York City scam alarm, it's been, it's been going off lately. It's growing up in New York City. It's, you, you learn to be a, a little street smart, and you learn to sort of spot a scam, spot a con when you see it. I, I'm seeing a lot of con games going on with the online coaching. I don't like it. I don't like to see people getting taken advantage of. It's one of the reasons why I'm getting into the online game. I'm going to try to clean that up and do it right. Okay, guys, any more technical questions, tactical questions? Dan, did you have any, uh, any follow-up? Let me know. Otherwise, I think I've got to start getting ready for sleepy time. Got to get ready to work on the ambulance tomorrow. You never know what's going to happen. The city of Hoboken, a lot of crazy stuff happens in Hoboken, actually. I got to be ready for those emergency calls. What a crazy job. You basically, you sit in the headquarters all day and you wait for someone to call 911. And at the drop of a dime, you got to jump in the ambulance and go. And you don't always know what's going to What's going to be on scene? It's, it's quite exciting and it's quite nerve-wracking, actually. I think you have to be wired a certain way to do that job. You have to be pretty tough and you have to have a thick skin and you have to be able to ramp up from zero to 100 emotionally in a heartbeat. It's crazy. The guys who work EMS, emergency medical services, guys who work in fire department, the police, any kind of first responder, those guys are amazing guys and they protect all of us. Sometimes we forget. All right, guys, if there's no extra questions, I'm going to start closing out the show. It was a really nice show. I enjoyed sharing the discussion with all of you guys. I hope you found some of my comments helpful. If you like the program, give it a thumbs up on Facebook all these programs are going to go to our YouTube channel. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe if, if you'd like. We have a lot of great content. Oh, no. I, I use the word content. That's bad. That means I'm becoming a slick online marketer. That's not going to happen. Guys, we have a lot of good stuff. A lot of good videos online at our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. Go there. Subscribe. Comment to the videos. You could win some free stuff. I'm serving up a free private lesson every month. Just someone's got to grab it by making some comments. Free private lesson with me. I guess nobody wants it. Yeah, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Go to our new online school and become a member. It's totally free. Our online school is, right now it's at CLTA, Chris Lewitt Tennis Academy, clta.teachable.com clta.teachable.com. I think we're going to be moving that online school to a new web address. 
learn.chrislewitt.com. We're going to be moving that to learn.chrislewitt.com or potentially school.chrislewitt.com. Does anyone have a preference? I think it's going to be learn, like learning with me, learn.chrislewitt.com. We don't have it set up yet. Right now it's at clta.teachable.com. Hey, Brian Ha is watching. Thanks for tuning in. Got some late night participants. If you have a last minute question, let me know because I'm getting into sign off mode. Going to have to go sleepy night night. But as I was saying, if you do like the show, give it a like. I really appreciate it. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Share with your friends. That's a big one. We're trying to get more of a community of high IQ tennis people. And we're trying to share intelligent ideas. And that's, what, that's kind of what it's all about. So this program's about that. My other show, Chris Lewitt, Prodigy Maker, is a weekly show that we do on YouTube. It's all about that. Helping parents get smarter, helping players get smarter, and helping coaches get smarter as they work with their students. So that's, the, that's what we're all about. Thank you for tuning in, guys. I'm going to sign off. I'm going to try to get some hot tea maybe for my throat. Get ready for my big day on the ambulance tomorrow. All right. God bless. Have a good night. Hope you have a great week of coaching if you're a coach. Go get it. Go get those kids. Get those kids better. Have a good night. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find archives of all Chris's shows at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt or search Chris Lewitt on YouTube. You can watch the live video broadcast of this program weekly on Sunday nights where you can ask questions and comment in real time on Facebook Live. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the live show. Please share our programs with friends and join our online community. You can join Chris Lewitt's Online Tennis Academy at clta.teachable.com or visit chrislewitt.com for more info. Chris's latest published articles and additional video resources can be found at prodigymaker.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.